Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to Snake Oil Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura, checking in for my uh, twice-a-month broadcast. And it is a Tuesday in December of 2008. So uh, I guess we will consider this to be the holiday season. Um, in fact, I today is going to be uh, my holiday show. Uh, if you are tuning in live, uh, feel free to uh, call if you want to comment or um, want to talk about anything or ask questions. Um, that guest call in number is 646-200-3966. I will uh, post that up a little later on as well too after I read my uh, monthly blog column uh, as well. Anyway, so it is the holiday season, and you know, I, I when I started writing my uh, monthly blog column, uh, Snake Oil, uh, I well, this was one of the first pieces I had done. Uh, so it, it's funny because this original piece that I'm going to read to you uh, in a in a few minutes is actually again one of the original starting pieces of the column when I started uh, doing it in 2003, late 2003. So pretty mind-boggling to me that I have been doing this for five years now. So uh, I actually have quite a few columns uh, now on file, uh, which, is, which is a good thing for me as a writer because every you know three, four months I, I get kind of lazy and I, I just run a repeat column, which is nice, I think, for some of my readers or listeners, in this case, since I have no radio show with the same subject as the column, uh, because for many people, it's a good reminder of a piece that uh, they'd heard a few years back, or in a lot of cases, because I'm always gathering new readers and listeners, um, it's the first time they're hearing it. And again, it's a perfect excuse for me to be lazy for the month and get to a million other things that I have to attend to. So I actually got into a tradition some years ago to do... um, my uh, this particular Christmas column almost on a yearly basis. Uh, I do have another one, uh, which maybe if we have time today, I'll read also. Uh, but um, this is, is probably one of my favorite. And uh, also, it seems to be a favorite among my uh, many of my readers as well, too. They always seem to get a kick out of it. Uh, anyway, the uh, we might as well go on to the piece before I, I, I babble on about other <laughs> things. And... Uh, so uh, this month's snake oil column again is a is a, a piece that I wrote back in 2003, and it's actually called Tin Foil Covering the Baby Jesus. So here it goes. I grew up in a large Catholic family, where Christmas rituals were an important part of our holiday experience. Amidst the craziness of Santa Claus, Christmas shopping, and stuffing our faces full of sugar through most of December. Her family still celebrated the true meaning of Christmas. It was a time when Christ the Savior was born. Like almost every child raised in a Christian home, we were taught the importance of remembering the truth about Christmas. Even from what we believed to be our enlightened perspective, we were still all about the indulgence that Christmas seemed to usher in. And as a child, I loved every minute of it. During the holidays, atop the, Christmas, uh, the television set was placed a small figurine of the baby Jesus. The figurine 
was part of our nativity scene. In our family, we placed a piece of tinfoil over the small statue. My mother explained this practice to us. Until Christmas Day comes, Jesus had not yet been born. She would inevitably ask us each Christmas morning if we'd pull the tinfoil off of Jesus before we began opening our presents. We never remembered. The excitement and lure of greedily tearing open presents far outweighed any interest in Mom's custom. Still, we dutifully faked reverence in front of Mom, pulling off the tinfoil, only to instantly place all of her attention back to the presents. Young children, understandably, aren't into philosophy, morality, and religious rituals. As a child, most of the things I was taught about Christian teachings were really weren't really interesting and were often scary. Pictures of Christ nailed to a cross with bleeding hands and feet were horrifying. The picture common in Christian homes of Christ praying with a huge beating, burning heart in his chest terrified me. To please my mother, I pretended to be interested in the Bible. Our children's Bible was illustrated with pictures that mostly gave me nightmares. Stories and pictures of pestilence, lepers, children being sacrificed, people dying, and a man who was hung to die on a cross did not make for comfortable bedtime stories. Understanding parables, Christ's message of love, and other biblical stories can be an excellent way to connect to our spiritual sides. Children, though, simply aren't ready for this type of thing. I can safely guarantee that any child of any religion that is happy about learning about this stuff is faking it to please their parents or guardians. Young children are not able to grasp the significance of spiritual teachings. And that is exactly as it should be. Why not let children enjoy Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and all the fun stuff until they're old enough to grasp the deeper meanings of religion and spirituality? Even as we approach our 40s, around Christmas, my little sister and I still tease each other about the way we've pulled the tinfoil off of the baby Jesus. We playfully and sarcastically joke about this and some of the other bizarre rituals we were taught. Maybe we haven't really grown up yet. Maybe we never will. Okay, so that's my that's my uh, tinfoil over the uh, baby Jesus uh, passage, and uh, it's a short one actually too. I know many of my uh, more recent columns have gotten a lot longer, and I always like to go back to my original. Uh, shorter kind of uh, column whenever possible because I think that you can pack a good solid punch in a reasonably short piece in many cases and I, I, I say this with love but I think the uh, typical human attention span is not very long to begin with I know uh, even for me when I I get forwards or emails um, from from people about columns or um, broadcasts and various things that are of interest Sometimes I, I can't commit to the whole idea of listening to a you know a, a, a thirty minute um, broadcast uh, podcast or even um, read something that long, especially when it's sent through the internet. Uh, I know that actually one of the things that I've been told about my column 
that I do monthly. Um, and if you're catching the broadcast, whether live or an archive, and you want to be added to get the column each month, you know, certainly feel free to um, email me at uh, VenturaWords at Mac.com. You can get that on the web page for the radio show as well, and I'll add you to the mailing list so you can get the uh, columns uh, fresh when they first come out. But uh, back to my original point, you know, one of the things that um, many of my, my, my clients have told me is that they will uh, often actually print out my blog column and then read it at a time when they've got the time to sort of sit and read through my newsletter and read the column. Uh, that, honestly, that, that kind of impresses me that people do that because I'm, I'm the same way. I, I have this type of thing about really loving the idea of um, sitting and reading in, in a traditional context. Um, you know, a book in hand is still a lot easier than reading from the net. I think it, it kind of messes with your eyes a little bit. I know even when I work at the computer, the duration is an hour or two, and then i got to get away from that. I start losing my marbles, but I can delve into a book sometimes for hours. So uh, anyway, um, but back to the subject at hand. Uh, if you, if you, if, you know, I, anyone who knows me knows I can be somewhat of a little bit of a sarcastic kind of a writer. And the funny thing is I actually grew up in a uh, kind of a big Catholic family and we really, really, um, we really did Christmas up, you know, to the nines in that sense. Um, while I, I don't consider myself, you know, Catholic or follow that tradition anymore, I still kind of like Christmas. I think, like I said, again, for me, um, it was a, uh, it, it was a, it was a good uh, experience in many ways. I, I came from a family of nine, believe it or not, um, although if anyone knows anything about Catholics, that's not exactly an uncommon thing. So growing up in New York with six siblings and a mother and father who were really an intact, solid family in, in that context. My parents were uh, together for 50-something years. My dad uh, uh, died back in April, but my, my parents were really came, you know, we came from a strong structure in that sense. Um, and the uh, the reality of the situation is uh, we had really, really positive kind of uh, experiences around the holidays. We, we actually, um, I mean, I remember making Christmas cookies and, uh, and having the really kind of fun holiday stuff. I mean, I remember sometimes we even made uh, gingerbread houses and we strung popcorn uh, and uh, we, we really did have a lot of the um, traditional kind of, of Christmas celebrations around food being half Italian. We really kind of enjoyed, um, uh, we kind of enjoyed uh, the the celebration element of eating. In fact, our ritual was we would have lasagna on Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day we would do the standard um, uh, turkey and kind of similar to like a Thanksgiving celebration. So uh, we would, you know, have have the, the big family kind of thing. And in fact, one of the things that my mother did that was really kind of uh, positive is. 
She uh, encouraged us to buy each other presents every year. Um, that was actually a ritual that went on for a really, really long time where we actually had uh, to buy each of our other siblings a, a, a gift. And what we would do is exchange those gifts on Christmas Eve, and then sort of Christmas Day would be the presents from Santa Claus uh, in that sense. Uh, so it was interesting because even as a little kid, you obviously a lot of times didn't have a lot of money, but you still had to be creative enough to come up with a, a present for your your uh, other siblings, even if it was just a bag of chocolate bars or, or, or something that you made we were encouraged to do that. And, you know, I have to say that I think that that was a really good thing that mom encouraged us to do uh, because it did kind of create a closeness among uh, uh, the siblings in that sense. And it really did make Christmas uh, kind of an enjoyable experience. I know that uh, I particularly uh, like the idea that you got even more presents uh, you know, because you were also getting presents from your from your siblings as well, and uh, that was uh, another kind of added perk in that sense. Although it was really, I think in many ways, also a strain to kind of get a lot of uh, presents uh, for for other people. We had to kind of come up with money to do that. But again, you could be pretty creative about it when you were a kid and what you kind of bought each other in that sense. So, you know, the funny part is, even though I, I'm not really practicing in terms of, uh, you know, traditional uh, Christmas structures so much anymore, um, I, I did come from a background where we, we bought a real Christmas tree. Every year we actually went out and picked up a Christmas tree, and there really was a kind of a wonderful ceremony that was part of all of that. So I think that... Uh, there really is some some real positive things to the the sentiment and the idea behind what Christmas actually is. Uh, I should actually I have to laugh because there's somebody in uh, the the chat room. Uh, one of the things that you can do um, when you uh, when you're uh, live and, and broadcast is also there's a there's a chat room that you can actually go into and you can make comments. And there is an idiot by the name of Justin who is in my chat room right now, and he's writing all kinds of little things about uh, little perverted type things to try to rile me as I'm talking. And uh, I really have to, <laughs> I really have to laugh at the comments, and also to be sort of fascinated by um, why somebody would even have the energy and the time to do something like that. Uh, really, uh, what a what a, um, a douchebag! Uh, so good luck to you there, bro. I'm obviously not going to respond to these things, uh, but I ha I have to laugh at uh, human um, uh, some of the things that that sometimes come up. Oh, he ran away! Oh, what a surprise! <laughs> Bye, Justin. Uh, it was really fantastic. Thank you for the comments. Uh, I won't repeat them. I won't repeat them on the air, but take my take my word for it. It's amusing. So if there's any functional people that are actually catching the broadcast live, that number is uh, 646-200-3966. Feel free to call in if you kind of want to comment on, you know, any uh, Christmas experiences you've had, for good or for bad, while we kind of continue on with this discussion. Um, I Actually, I'm sort of happy that I had a taunter 
in the um, chat room. This is about the third time that's happened because uh, it's good practice for a uh, heckling is a good is a good practice to get used to. I think it's uh, one of those type of things that is a, it is far more common than people would imagine. Um, there's a lot of people with too much free time during the day and free free energy that are uh, really obnoxious. <laughs> I, I have to laugh at, at some of the things that I see. In fact, uh, on a side note, I last time I was on broadcast, someone in the chat room came in and they kind of called themselves something like the Truth Squad. And I guess they were kind of checking me out to see whether I was on the up and up in that sense. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm only theorizing what the, the Truth Squad would possibly be about. But um, considering what I do for a living, I would imagine there would meet many people that would perceive me as a um, possible, uh, you know, uh, scam artist somehow. Uh, in case anybody uh, with a brain in their head has figured out, I, I use the, the, the concept of snake oil for that particular reason uh, to uh, play with people's heads in that way uh, for for good reason because you can attempt to put me in that category. But anybody who's ever actually had a session with me or work with me would probably think very differently uh, experientially. Anyway, I want to get back to let me get back to my my Christmas topic here too, uh, since uh, see. I guess this guy actually he did a, he did a job. He ended up sidetracking me a little bit. Anyway, so back to the Christmas thing. Um, one of the other things I guess I kind of really wanted to bring up and point out with this whole idea is while I think that the ritual itself is really can be very very obviously very very positive uh, and uh, very much an enjoyable uh, experience for many people. Uh, I think there's an element too to it that that I, I brought up in the piece that I think is really worthy of discussion and worth talking about. And I know, um, you know, I, I, anyone who's ever listened to me or, or has read my column knows that I have some pretty um, uh, strong vocal opinions about what I see with uh, much of organized religion. And in a nutshell. I think that um, I, my, my perspective from having studied a lot of philosophies and religions is that all religions have um, what are called the logos, or at the core, some element of truth to them, some more than others. In fact, I think that probably the, re the religion of sorts or philosophy that would be considered religious in that context would probably, that really has the least distortion, is probably Zen Buddhism itself. But the issue that I find and that I like to bring up and talk with people about is the problem with religion in and of itself is that while the core truths exist in that respect, there's so much distortion that comes down through the ages um, in terms of uh, you know the Bible and Quran and various other things when they're retranscribed, they're changed and they're altered and they have been over hundreds and hundreds of years. So really... The, the simple reality of of this is any and anybody with a with a, a fair amount of intelligence is going to understand that to get anything out of these things you really have to really understand the idea of reading between the lines um, one of the things i I'm, I'm really a, a big advocate of um, talking about and bringing to people's awareness that a literal interpretation of the Bible or anything like that is really um, uh, really a, a major distortion 
in essence, to follow uh, because of the changes that are so commonplace that go out throughout history. So, you know, I've talked to people who are fundamentalist in that sense that follow it to literal law and really, uh, you know, the logic, if there is any, is really radically flawed. Um, sometimes the logic is sort of that God has protected it in that way and, and has, has made it, you know, uh, this, this clear and undistorted. And, and the truth of it is that it's not even feasible. Any type of, of, of material, even and spiritually, even when you talk to, even going to beyond this, even if you talk to a, a good channeler or a, a psychic or someone who even has genuine skill, always, there's always going to be a distortion that comes through through the perception of the person doing the, the um, communication um, or, or bringing the information through. Even when I read for people with tarot and astrology and numerology and the things that I have expertise in, I recognize and often explain to my clients that I can be very accurate and the cards generally are, but there's distortion according to what the reader is um, feeling or believing as well. We have to be aware of that. So obviously that is even magnified even more often with religious influences in that sense. So again, a literal interpretation is kind of, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll piss a few people off by, by saying this, but kind of a little on the, you know, not so bright side in that sense. But yes, if you get down to the core and heart of a lot of, of teachings, including Christianity, there are some really wise um, teachings and philosophies within this structure. The problem, though, again, of course, is um, the, the uh, you know, the larger the group gets, the, lo- you know, the longer something is around, the more distortions tend to come through. Like, for instance, I was actually talking about this recently to a friend of mine who was actually raised Mormon. And uh, I was raised Catholic, and he doesn't really have a really uh, good understanding of Catholicism and really was even quite harsh in his interpretation of what Catholics were. Now, he would, what would be known as, what would be known as a lapsed Mormon, obviously, he's not really following that religion and is kind of more of a New Age guy and really has, has developed some smarts and some really interesting studies. But one of the things I've, I've often tell them about Catholics uh, from having grown up Catholic is a lot of Catholics are more likely to give lip service to many of the things that the Pope says or that the Church believes, but really don't, in essence, practice it. Uh, you'll often find that a lot of Catholics are not against gay marriage or they do practice birth control um, or believe in things like abortion, and you know they, they don't necessarily um, follow the, uh, the the dictates of the religion in a traditional sense to the letter of the law. You find that very commonly with Catholics, and I I, I guess maybe I have a little bit of a more positive soft side for Catholicism from having been raised under it. But what I have found also is that you know as a general rule, it, it would be very uncommon for like a, a Catholic person to throw their kid out of the home because he or she was gay or married someone of the wrong race. They may not like it, but it would be less probable that they would, that would happen um, in a Catholic structure as opposed to some of the other structures that sometimes can seem a little harsher. So I do think, um, obviously, that there's a difference between what people practice in religion 
and what they're told they're supposed to practice. And there's all kinds of variances with this. There are some, I've met some really amazing spiritual Christians, honestly, that do consider themselves part of a religion. But, uh, you know, then unfortunately the louder voice that we see among um, a lot of the Christian groups uh, are often kind of prejudiced in perception uh, about a number of things. And that kind of brings me to uh, back to the subject here when we talk about tinfoil over the baby Jesus and where I kind of took a little bit of a playful, uh, sarcastic tone with this is because I think that, you know, I remember growing up under the religious influence and, you know, we, we, in, our, in our family we went to a parochial school, we went to a Catholic school from first to eighth grade. And I'll tell you, you know, with complete sincerity, from that point, from 9th through 12th, we ended up going to a public school. And I had a better education in the Catholic school. Not only did I kind of have a better education, but I also had, uh, it felt more like being part of a family when I was in uh, that structure. And, and, you know, believe it or not, some of the nuns, uh, we, had, we had nuns and regular teachers were actually excellent teachers as well. So I have to give a thumbs up to some of what I had gotten from, from that structure in all sincerity. I was way ahead of math and other things from Catholic school when I got into public school. Now, the problem, though, and this is kind of the thing that I really had, had alluded to in the, the piece, is the problem is when you're a young kid, um, much of the teachings of Christianity are really kind of more on the scary side. I know um, my, we had a children's Bible, and uh, I remember looking through that when I was a kid, and, you know, a lot of the imagery really honestly, was still kind of disturbing. I mean, I even think that I was even bothered by these, even the clothing and the way that it was. It just seemed like people were poor. And it seemed like, um, you know, pestilence and, 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 and difficulty were, were you know, the norm in that sense. So I really have to say that I, um, I was disturbed by a lot of the things that I was supposed to be enlightened from. Uh, even when we were kids, we would do this thing where we would go to, um, around Easter, we would go to what was called the Stations of the Cross. And you would go from, I think there were 12 Stations of the Cross, and you would go, it had to do with the stages of, of Christ being um, put to death, and then, you know, rising from, the, from, from death. And, you know, we would go through each stage, and the priest would say a little prayer and tell a part of the story, and... You know, I've got to tell you, eight, nine years old, um, that scared the crap out of me. Um, this was not, you know, easy stuff to handle at such a young age. Uh, and, you know, it's so funny that, I, you know, I've never heard anybody bring this up before. And so maybe it's my job to kind of point this out. But, you know, when you're at that fragile an age, um, you can't really understand the meaning of these things, never mind really, really grasp um, the, uh, the benefits that can come from, from understanding the energy that Christ represents, which is, is a wonderful thing. But, you know, a seven-year-old are looking at a, a cross with a man nailed to a cross. Think about what this is doing to the psyche of a child in that sense. You would not 
any, I think any wise parent, if there were public hangings, you would probably not bring your seven-year-older to watch something like that in the first place. So to subject children to this type of thing, to me, is absolutely insane. Again, children just can't handle this type of thing in that sense. It becomes scary. It's like, you know, some of it's like a horror movie in that sense. Uh, when, when we were kids, my mom, I remember one of the, one of the most pivotal things about my childhood was my mother bought us, um, I think we went to a, a, a bazaar, uh, and anyone from the East Coast will know what a bazaar is. It basically is like a, a, a churches and halls will do these little things to raise money and they sell stuff. And I remember picking up these little comic books that were about the lives of the saints. Well, I'll tell you, those little comic books were full of, if you really start to study the lives of the saints, many of the reasons that, that people were sainted in Catholicism is because they survived tremendous amount of abuse and they became saints, you know, Catholicism's connection with martyrdom. And, you know, so, you know, I was reading little comic books about this saint who was, who was uh, had the skin nailed to wood and who had been bludgeoned and, and all these, um, I mean, I think they even alluded to, to female saints that were raped or, you know, and if you think about this, you're putting this in a comic book format, but, I mean, how is this affecting the psyche of a nine-year-older, of a five-year-older and a six-year-older? Ridiculous in that sense to me, and, and absolutely bordering on cruel. Because, again, they're not ready to handle this type of thing. You would, hopefully a wise parent wouldn't let their six-year-old watch a movie like, you know, Friday the 13th or something that was particularly bloody or gory. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a prude by any means, but I think there's a certain level of, of awareness that has to be reached before someone can handle something comfortably. So, so many of these images within uh, the, uh, you know, Christian tradition uh, to be, you know, thrown at young children are just lunacy in that sense. And again, it's a subject that no one seems to want to mention or talk about. So, you know, as much as a lot of religious people get irritated by the fact that, you know, Santa Claus and all the commercialism of Christmas is away from the truth of what Christmas is about, which is the birth of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, technically is more probable that Jesus was born in late March, by the way. Uh, so the whole December thing has more to do with the solstice anyway in and, and that particular time. So that's ridiculous to begin with. The, the time is off. But getting back to the point, you know, the whole um, idea of Santa Claus and all that stuff, in some ways that may be really a better thing for children to necessarily grasp or to understand. Um, while it's shallow, and could really get into a certain host of greed and various other factors, and that's a whole other subject. I think that, at least from a child's perspective, that is part of where, you know, there is celebration and joy, and where, where children can kind of have a good time and enjoy the holiday from that sense. And really, in that context, I'm all for it. I think that um, the really, the, the true meaning that comes through in Christmas that is of, of real value is the idea of, of being a part of family and, and giving and understanding the idea of giving and receiving and, um, and celebrating traditions 
and um, and uh, remembering, you know, remember the idea of love and all of the things that are, are so significantly part of the holiday, or, or certainly should be in that sense. But the focus on, you know, the real meaning of Christmas uh, certainly makes sense at some levels for adults, but uh, again for children, this is just the type of thing that we have so accepted as an element of okayness in society, and in actuality, it's not okay. You know, I, I, there was a, I, a, about a year ago, there was a, um, a documentary out called um, Jesus Camp. And a very interesting uh, thing, uh, this is a very interesting thing to, to catch because it really got into some uh, tremendous uh, detail about a lot of these uh, really kind of right-wing Christian groups out in the in various places and you know building their armies of, of Christian children in that sense and you know really if you haven't actually caught this documentary I really highly recommend that you check it out because um, it really will give you a handle into kind of what's going on in this more radical um, uh, expression of, of, of Christianity uh, to me, kind of borders them anyway on dangerous. Um, but, you know, these people are going into, um, many of them are, are having, I guess they spontaneously speak in voices. And, you know, it, it's so interesting to watch this because, you know, it's so funny that, uh, you know, I'll run across people that will find out I'm an astrologer and they'll say, oh, I don't believe in that. And it's like, well, that's one of those type of statements that, Obviously, you've never had a real astrologer interpret your astrology chart because if you did, you would never make such a stupid statement in that sense. You know, astrology is going to work whether you believe it or not. Again, it has more to do with interpretation of whether the person is interpreting it correctly and knows what they're doing. That said, I'll get off that little, I'll get off that bandwagon for a moment and go back to the original idea, which is, you know, these people speaking in tongues and stuff like that is is just a, insane. Um, are they really speaking in tongues, or just do they, they believe they are? And you know, and I think in those circumstances, they're not necessarily hurting anybody, but it definitely is a strange display of extremism that's coming across. And I think the, the thing that was so poignant for me when I saw this documentary was they were talking to a little kid. I think he was probably maybe eight or nine, but. He was, and he had a mullet, by the way, also too. And I, I guess the, the sarcastic part of me has to laugh at, you know, someone still having a mullet in this day and age. Um, that's one of those haircuts where it's shaved on the side but long in the back. Ugh, not good. Uh, and you know, this little kid, he's talking about how he's going to be a preacher and how he's this. He feels that this is his calling. And you know, I, I definitely. That may very well be his calling. I mean, who am I to say? And this may be something that he's really pulled to do. And uh, But the thing that really got to me is he said that he realized he was being saved by Jesus when he was five or six years old. And that was when he really began to realize that he was a sinner and he needed to give up his sinful ways. You know, and I think that that clip, in a nutshell, kind of gets into talking about what I was really trying to get to in this um, particular piece, which is how, what kind of sin is a five-year-older committing? The whole idea of it is absolutely ludicrous in that sense. What did he take his sister's 
uh, candy bar, or you know what I mean? What kind of sins are you committing at the age of five? One of the things I've always kind of pointed out to people, the, the misperception that people have is the word sin in and of itself has to do with missing the mark. And if you think of this in an, as a marksman analogy, when you're, if you were an archer, and or is, am I using, I don't know if I'm using the word correctly, if you're, if you're doing archery, and you're trying to shoot at a bullseye and you miss the mark, the missing of the mark means you're working harder to find the middle or to hit the correct mark. But you don't burn in hell because you missed the mark the initial time. So that, that's the analogy of what the original really word for, for sin was meant to be in that sense. So another complete distortion, by the way, that has come down uh, through a lot of organized religion. And... The idea of a, of a small kid talking about how he's giving up his sinful ways to me, that's it right there. He isn't sinful. Children are, I mean, I've endlessly explained this to people. Children come into this world pure love, period. Uh, you know, it's in a different context, but in a similar way, you find the same thing with, with pets with cats and dogs, and I'm not making a reference to children being like cats and dogs, obviously. They are far more um, evolved in a completely different strain of consciousness. But any pet owner understands that your kitten, your dog, while they may make mistakes, while they may sin on occasion, poop on the carpet or, or, or you know, scratch the couch, um, they're still pure love. That, that's what they are. And this is even more pronounced when it comes to looking at children. They are, they are love, pure and simple. They are taught how to be angry or bad, or they're taught to sin. Um, and and that's, um, that's the reality of the situation. Um, there are no bad kids. I have always completely disagreed on this ridiculous idea that someone got a bad kid. The same thing happens when someone says they got a bad dog or a bad cat to me. You made that that way, whether through neglect or through your own fear or whatever it was, you you created that, so to speak, in that sense. And it isn't that a parent or a pet owner is even fully responsible for everything. There are other influences that affect situations, as well as children have their own astrology and their own direction. But the bottom line is, you know, uh, we don't, uh, children come in pure in that sense. So getting back to this whole idea, to pin them with the idea of creating fear of God and, and retribution and, and looking at these horrifically scary elements of biblical teachings to kind of put the fear of God in them so they don't become sinners is absolutely the most um, backwards perception that you can possibly have about nurturing that could ever occur in the first place. Um, you know, when we remember that we are all good at a core in that sense, and the distortions that come in are, again, fear responses that we learn from our family and from the world and from teachers and, and uh, influences that come all around us, that's what distorts the goodness in that sense. In fact, you really can break this down further. You know, even when you, when, when it, I, I've known a few criminals in my life in that sense, literal criminals, people that ended up in jail or things of that nature, and what you always find is they had an abnormal amount of abuse or neglect that went on when they were younger. And for some reason that I don't completely get, 
rather than becoming a really good person and going the other direction to change the pattern, what they do is they become angry at society and feel like they could steal or kill or, um, or abuse uh, because they have a right to because of what was done to them. But criminals are not born that way. I mean, again, it's the same type of a logic. They, they become this through neglect and through cruelty and through, and sometimes this isn't, I'm not even pinning it, certainly the parents or the influence, but sometimes, you know, a mother who uh, ends up having children with a lousy father who is abusive or, or bad or has tremendous difficulty um, with addiction, of course, is doing her best, even though obviously the children who deal with those repercussions. So this isn't about pointing fingers to blame. It's to look at cause and deal with it from that angle. So my whole point in all of this is I think that the more uh, these really hard kind of right-wing Christian groups are trying to, to shove this element down into children's throats at a young age of attempting to save them. And, and again, their intention is good. They want to save them from themselves. They want to get them to be good kids. But the approach is wrong. We don't create good children by scaring the crap out of them. You know what I mean? We, we focus on teaching them how to be loving and how to be good, and, and, and we teach them a different way. So I think that that's significant. And more importantly, it gets back, getting back to the original point, I think that we really can benefit when we remember and, and focus on the idea that Christmas can really be about family and sharing and giving and, and remembering those really important elements of the human condition that exist with religion or without religion. Because the atheist can just as well grasp the idea of being a loving, giving person as a, as a Christian or a Muslim or anyone else can for that matter. Um, so I think that that's something that we can all share as human beings to remember the, that really there can be that, that family connectedness and that idea, ideal of giving that Christmas can represent. And that, to me, is where there's a better focus. I know personally, I still have this, uh, my December philosophy is I'm going to stuff my face and eat. In fact, the other day I bought a whole pound cake and ate it within like a day and a half, which is hysterical because anyone who, who knows me knows I'm pretty much uh, in, in, in fairly good shape and I maintain that but I give myself permission for the month of December to be a slob when it comes to eating uh, just for a month because uh, hey man it's the holidays and I don't think you can go anywhere without finding cookies or cake or anything like that so uh, you know you might as well kind of just dive in at that point I always end up gaining gaining a, a pound or two well it's more like about four usually by the time January comes around but then I don't want any of this Christmas garbage anymore, the cookies or the sugar, it's all kind of whew. but enjoy it when it's there and you better believe while I, I do not consider myself uh, Christian by any means in the traditional sense I am going to enjoy this Christmas I'm going to see my friends, I'm going to exchange a few presents and we're going to eat and we're going to have a good time and we're going to focus on to me the true meaning of Christmas which is loving your friends and your family and enjoying the celebration of being with other people and, and celebrating the solstice and this, this time. So it looks like we've come to an end here. Um, thank you for uh, anyone who uh, checked in, whether live or catching on the archive, and I wish everyone a wonderful holiday. 
I even will give a special thank you to my little psychopath that came into the chat room <laughs> and had had a few uh, obnoxious comments to make. Um, and uh, I have to, uh, I gotta even thank that because he's a good, he's good positive training for me to get to get stronger about uh, getting comfortable with this. Because as I'm adding another more radio shows, I'm gonna get more um, losers this way that are gonna kind of call in or go into the chat rooms with their comments. So, bravo. Anyway, uh, if you if you're not uh, already receiving my monthly column, uh, hit me up at uh, VenturaWords at Mac.com or VenturaSag S A G at Yahoo.com if you want to be added to the mailing list. Information on my website uh, as well will give you inf info on personal sessions as well as my books uh, that you can access. And again, I wish everybody a wonderful holiday season. Enjoy the holiday season at every level, and also uh, wishing everyone a happy new year. And I think uh, my next uh, monthly broadcast will get into that subject of um, the issues of 2008. I, I'm certainly looking forward to 2009. 2008 was a bit difficult, to put it mildly. So anyway, wishing everyone a wonderful, prosperous 2009 and a great holiday season. Cheers.